I don't even like using his name, Mr. Speaker, and sorry for the language, but he's nothing but a scumbag. This SOB needs to be in jail 23 hours a day in a maximum security. The crime was the most heinous crime in Canadian history. He tortured, he raped, and then he murdered these two young girls. And the pain the family's going through again should never be seen ever in the history of Canada. When we sentence someone to life sentences, that means a life sentence. Doug Ford doing what uh, he's not been able to do before, which is get bipartisan support. Pretty much saying what a lot of us think, and that is uh, demanding Paul Bernardo be sent back to maximum security. And hey, if he's uh, left alone in general population, oh well. Now it's highly doubtful Bernardo would be left in general population, but of course we have no idea what corrections Canada plans are for the convicted killer because everything is so secret when it comes not just to Corrections Canada, but our parole boards. They just kind of just do what they want to do and answer to no one. And this secret transfer certainly has been met with universal condemnation. And so what happens next? Certainly for those who have had their lives torn apart by violent crime, they say, look, this is nothing new. So maybe by the high-profile transfer of Bernardo, maybe this now sheds light on how often this is happening and will we get some change. Lisa Freeman is one of those voices saying, hey, it is long overdue for change. She is joining us now. Thanks so much, Lisa, for coming on. Good morning, Alex. Thank you for having me. And just so our listeners understand why you are so passionate and uh, determined on, on, on these issues is because your father, Roland, Slingerland was uh, bludgeoned to death in 1991 by someone on parole who killed him with an axe. And then he was released on parole and ended up living, I guess, just minutes, you know, to where your sister did. And none of you knew about this. And so uh, just take me through, if you will, because so often we hear from victims of crime, but only when things like this happen. And so what's that like when you find out and you're like the last ones to know? Uh, it feels like um, I'm not important anymore, that I don't matter, that uh, nothing that they do will affect us directly, but it has immense, um, immensely uh, affects all of us, every single victim of crime. And it, ha- it happens, as you said at the opening, more often than people realize. These killers, many of these killers who are convicted on first-degree murder charges are in medium or minimum security. It happens more than the general public is aware yeah. And it's happened to me and my family. As you said, uh, the, uh, my dad's killer, uh, a man by the name of Terry Porter, was transferred to um, an institution from Ontario out west because the program that he wanted to attend in Ontario wasn't available. They transferred him within 10 kilometers of my sister's house and didn't notify me until 24 hours later because it was his right to delay the information coming to me. Not to mention privacy rights, because Lord knows right. the accused in this country can hide behind those uh, more so. And it just really, I, I mean, I've covered crime, certainly in courts, for a very long time. So it doesn't surprise me how uh, victims of crime in this country are treated. I mean, we, we are quick to give the thoughts and prayers and promise that we will be right. by your side. And then the headlines fade, and, and you and, and families like Rodney Stafford, all of you just, you know, kind of blend into the background. Um, and it's not how it's supposed to be. And I know that you have been fighting for a very long time to, to change this. And you're not alone. Other people, whether it's Maureen Baznicki, all these people try to fight. Um, and I look at it and I say, well, why do they have to fight? This is, this is something that should have happened already. But you have been very much pushing 
um, for, for changes in this. And I know that there is a bill that has been proposed by Oshawa MP Conservative Colin Carey um, that, that would, in fact, change this. And so tell me about, because uh, you were in uh, Ottawa on Parliament Hill earlier this week, um, and certainly I think this headline uh, certainly caught your attention. Uh, but what is it that you're fighting for and why do you see this moment maybe as a, as a turning point? Well, with the Bernardo um, transfer, it's caught the attention of the public, which, of course, it would. With my bill, um, it, it's, we've been working on it for a while. We want to ensure that there is no delay in sharing of critical information about an offender's movements or their relocation to another prison or facility with their victims or their families or the families whose lives they've ruined. And secondly, we want to ensure that the victims of violent crime are not denied their right to participate in a criminal's parole board hearing, no matter what the circumstance. Because um, I believe you know, you're aware that I was not allowed to participate in this full parole hearing. It was an in-office decision, nothing to do with COVID. They simply denied my um, participation because they could. So this bill is looking to change that. And that would greatly affect the flow of information coming to victims' families. In a timely manner. Yeah. I mean, them first instead it, of the offenders first. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite appalling um, to have to read about it in the news. Um, you know, Rodney right. Stafford found out nine months after the fact that one of his daughter's killers was in a healing lodge and she wasn't even Indigenous. But th- this is what goes on. Um, and, and who do you scream and yell for? I mean, it, I have to imagine, or not even imagine, I have to think that it just prolongs um, you know, the process of grief, which never goes away. Uh, but it's mm-hmm. hard to think that, you know, what what people like you go through after the fact, when all you do, your whole life is uprooted and upended, and you're left to fight for things that you think in this country would just be a, a, a non-starter. Right. And I always say that uh, victims of crime, we're busy. We're busy yeah. grieving. We're trying to put together our lives, trying to, uh, you know, try to make a, a life for ourselves outside of this crime, but the onus seems to be on us to bring what should be already in place, which is respect, and respect for the rights of victims of crime should already be there. But we seem to have to work hard to make our point, and it shouldn't be our job. It should be the job of Correctional Services Canada and the Parole Board of Canada to keep us safe, the citizens of this country safe, but they're failing, and they're failing miserably. And they've done so for such a long time. Such a long time. Uh, I mean, when we hear about, um, you know, victims' uh, services that uh, come in, it's really only for the, the procedure once, you know, the story happens or the incident happens. And then the court case, you've got these um, government bureaucrats who put their arm around you and carry the Kleenex, and I guess they're hired to, to make sure that you're supported. But after the fact, uh, you know, there's so much more that, that, that is needed. And, and I guess, Lisa, you and many others... You have to either find it within your own family or maybe it is through other victims of crime that, that you find that solidarity and that strength. And have you been able uh, to build that community where, you know, uh, you're able to lean on each other? You're absolutely right, Alex, because as the um, parole process unfolds and it started unfolding for me in 2012, there are no there are very, very limited resources and services for yeah. people in my position. However, if you look at what's available for the offender, he's spoiled for choice. So what has happened is um, people in this community have bonded together, shared their stories. I told you that I recently held an event here in Oshawa called Durham Region Remembers, which was purposely for people bereaved by homicide to come together to remember their loved ones, but to also network and connect with the area services in this. um, And they came from Durham Region and beyond. And it was very successful and much needed. But again, that's 
that's not the government doing that. That's me, yeah. a private yep. citizen, putting that together. Successful, but really, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be my job to do this kind of thing. I'm happy to do it though, because it it, it was exactly how I envisioned, and we will have another one next year and every year to continue. But my hope is that it would be bigger. But as well, my hope is that somewhere in the government they would have something like what offenders have and for so- their services, for their needs. We're completely forgotten. Yeah, no question about it. And I've seen it with my own eyes. Um, you know, and there will be those who say, look, Medium and Max, they're not really different. They're, they're not going to get out. And I always say that's not the point. Um, you know, it's yeah. very, very deeply personal um, yes. in, in getting justice that when you, you are told they'll be in life, in prison for life. And in this country, we just don't have that kind of um, life is not life. Uh, but certainly it matters. It matters to those who are left behind because, you know, you want justice. It's all you've got. It's the only fight you've got left for, for your dad, Roland. The only thing you have... Um the Canadian justice system and the parole systems use words to imply severity or to imply punishment. And to the passing observer, it sounds just, it sounds very harsh. Life in prison, no parole for 25 years. But at the 25, 22 yeah. year mark, my dad's killer was out doing community service. That's not what was reflected when the sentence was handed down. This happens time and time again. Yeah. So again, this bill, um, truth and sentencing, sentencing, if this is what you're saying, you need to mean it needs to have some credibility. Yeah. Um, well, no question about it. So I know that this bill, this private member's bill, is in second reading. How do people find, Lisa, more information about it? Uh, you can go on to Mr. Carey's um, website, uh, Colin Carey Oshawa. Uh, you can Google me, Lisa Freeman Oshawa. It's all over the place. And um, it, it got a lot of support yesterday in Parliament, and I'm, I'm very pleased, mm-hmm. very pleased. So fingers crossed it'll go through because it will make a big difference. Yeah, and the other thing is I think... Um, whether Bernardo ever sees the light of day or, or not, uh, I don't know. But but moving him towards, uh, you know, learning how to cope day to day is just not something I think uh, he or any other killer in this country, a lot of people would say they just don't deserve that. So uh, and I, yeah. I truly think that people who um, purposely take the life of uh, innocent people, I, I truly don't think they can be rehabilitated. I certainly don't think that for Mr. Bernardo or for my father's killer and for so many out there. But again, as I said, this is the norm. People... Mm. In my position, we know this happens all the time. It's, it's good that the public is more aware of it now, too. Well, I don't think uh, a lot of people like it, but I think they are finally learning that this is the reality. And, Lisa, I will uh, thank you for your time and for your fight, and we'll keep following it. Thank you so much, Alex. There is Lisa Freeman. And if you want more information, it is uh, Oshawa MP Conservative Colin Carey who is, uh, is uh, sponsoring this bill. But, again, this is basic. It's basic. Hi, Ms. Freeman. Uh, you know, the man that killed your father is going to be moved, okay? Like, it's just basic. If we can't even offer basics, then we have completely lost our way. I hope that is not the case, but uh, it does get very frustrating.